No, good evening, good morning, or good afternoon, everyone, depending on what time you're listening to this. This is how we're going to be doing our at the cross services until we can meet again when it's a whole lot warmer out. It's not real warm today and it's quite windy. I was up there today and it's quite windy and quite chilly and I don't know if I would want to be up there for an hour and a half listening to some guy that's long-winded talk about Jesus until we were all froze to death. So over the course of the the winter, we're going to have these um, audio recordings. I will do the sermons like I would normally do and then I will send them from with links to my Dropbox. So Hopefully that should be fairly easy to do. If you have any trouble, then, you know, it's probably going to be a fairly easy way to get on here. Um, I've sent them to many people like this, and people seem to enjoy them, enjoy the format. They come through good. So if you're listening right now, congratulations. You've hacked your way into the system. Um, I'm coming to you tonight from... Chuck's workshop. Chuck was is Brenda's dad, and his workshop is now silent. Uh, Chuck passed away on November 13th, and he was one of the first people that we ever had at our cross gatherings, and he enjoyed them immensely. When, when he was able to, he was at every one. So I've decided that in a way of honoring him, that I am going to do this first um, sermon after his passing from his workshop, from the chair that he always sat on when we talked, behind the, the woodworking table that he always leaned against and leaned on. Um, it's quite humbling to be sitting in this chair, knowing the wisdom that, that once occupied it, and hopefully at, at some point in my life, I can get that much wisdom myself. Um, I'd appreciate it if you keep all of his family and friends in prayer. He, he left a lot of people. He was greatly loved and greatly appreciated. And at this present time, there's a lot of people that are missing him. So if you could keep us all in prayer. Today's sermon is going to be from James chapter 1, verses 1 through 12. I'm going to read the text. I have a short prayer, and then we'll get into the sermon. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, salutation. My brethren, count it exceeding joy when you fall into diverse temptations knowing that the trying of your faith bringeth forth patience. And let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, lacking nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, which giveth to all men liberally, and reproacheth no man, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, and waver not. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, tossed of the wind, and carried away. Neither let that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Let the brother of low degree rejoice in that he is exalted. Again, he that is rich, in that he is made low. 
for as the flower of the grass he shall vanish away. For as when the sun riseth with heat, when the grass withereth, and his flower falleth away, and the goodly shape of it perisheth, even so shall the rich man wither away in all of his ways. Blessed is a man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to him that love him. Father, we thank you. I ask that the Holy Spirit come into all of our homes as we listen to this, Lord, that, that you bring the love of Christ into their souls, into their hearts, and into their homes. That you let this word get deep into their hearts and into their conscience. Let them understand, Lord, that this is your word and that your word is truth and that truth, the life in the way, is your son. Jesus Christ. It is in his name and through his blood that we pray. Amen. James wrote this letter to all the Jews that were now dispersed from Jerusalem following the great persecution that you can read about in Acts 8. They were scattered through the regions of Judea and Samaria. Saul, soon to be Paul, approved of the killings and the great persecution against the church. During the persecution, Saul led groups into the Jews' homes, dragging men and women off to prison. The ones who escaped went into Judea and Samaria, some texts saying they were scattered abroad. This persecution was a catalyst that started the rapid spread of Christianity across the world. At the point of James' writing to the dispersed Jews, it was about 50 A.D., Jesus had been crucified in 33 AD by the Romans. As we can read in Acts, there was rapid growth in the church following Jesus' crucifixion. 3,000 souls added after Peter's sermon in Acts 2. Following the healing of the cripple at the temple gate, Peter spoke again in Acts 3 and Acts 4. Peter and John at that time taught the people, preached the resurrection of Jesus, and laid hands upon them. Acts 4.4 says many of them who heard the word believed, and the number of them was 5,000. Acts 6, one, the number of disciples grew. Acts 6.7, the number of disciples in Jerusalem multiplied greatly. Initially, we see 8,000 Jews come to Christ and become Christians, but a great multitude was added later. We have no idea how many Jews had come to Christ, but it was a lot. The kicker was they were all in Jerusalem, the church had grown and was stepping on people's feet, as Judaism didn't recognize the deity of Christ. They were at odds, so persecution hit. While persecution is a horrible ordeal, God used it to begin the spread of Christianity. As the Jews fled and relocated to a safer area, they still needed instruction on being Christians. That's why James wrote his letter to them. James was a flesh brother to Jesus our Lord, as was the author of uh, the book of Jude. He was also one of Jesus's flesh brothers. They shared a common mother in, in Mary. James, following Jesus's resurrection, became the leading elder in the church of Jerusalem. He, along with Peter and John, became pillars of the church, giving the hand of fellowship to Paul when he was called by Christ on a Damascus road, 
And they sent Paul to be with the Gentiles while they remained with the Jews. With this bit of background, now we know why James called these dispersed Jews my brothers, my brethren, my family. These were his people, and he cared for them deeply and didn't want them frustrated or upset with their current situation. While we have never seen anything like this in our life as of yet, these people had to flee their homes or face death for no other reason than their belief in Jesus Christ. Count it exceeding joy, my brothers and sisters, when you have trials. The trials of life can seem so brutal and harsh when we go through them. We feel it's the end, that we will lose all of our money, every last dime, be homeless, carless, or jobless. The devil will turn our thoughts negative, making us look to the downside, the worst possible outcome. Just as those who were being persecuted looked at the persecution as the end, it actually was a new beginning. At first, though, they could not see this side of the coin. James wrote them, saying, The trying of your faith develops your patience. What? Did you just say the trials of life will develop my patience? Why, yes, I did. How many of life's mountains have you scaled over, fought and clawed your way over, only to look back and the mountain is gone, your mountain gone, and only a molehill remains? The simple, quick answer is many. I remember a time long ago when I had lost my job. It had moved out of the country. I was left without a job, without suitable income, without any pride. I was enrolled in college, fighting to get an education. The economy was in the toilet. People would make comments about the unemployed as if we were nothing more than lazy, good-for-nothing bums. I couldn't see God's plan for me. My life, where I had a good job and good pay, was gone. I was in a personal hell without any self-worth and no drive. We were barely getting by. As long as everything went on as is, we'd be fine. Then my truck broke, and by broke I mean the shift lever fell right to the floor. Then on the way home, with the shift lever on the floor, the new slave cylinder I just put in went out of the clutch, and the pedal went to the floor. How was I going to afford this? What was I going to do? The bill to repair it would set us back months financially, but I needed my truck. Long story short, after much prayer, a young man who was a mechanic showed up. After we looked the situation over, it was determined that the shift lever could be welded. $30 total. My slave cylinder on a truck turned out to be under warranty. We took the old one off and took it to the parts store and was given a new one under their warranty program. Total bill? $30. $30 of what could easily have been well over $500. While this isn't anywhere close to being taken to prison or being ousted from your home by Jesus-hating intruders, it is more like what we deal with. If God brings you through a trial, whether it be a financial crisis, a health crisis, or any type of agonizing situation, it will build your faith. It will strengthen your endurance in the faith, strengthen your faith in God, and your faith in Christ Jesus. As patience grows, you learn to wait upon and trust in God, knowing Him and how He works intimately. As each block is laid upon the foundation of your faith, our faith grows. Each block, each step of faith building upon the last, our faith growing strong and unshakable as the days, months, and years pass. 
What once would cause us to go into a complete spiritual, mental, and physical breakdown is now but a slight bump in the road, one of life's little hiccups. When our faith becomes strong, our patience solid, our outlook on life will change. We will see God actively working. The devil's schemes will become that much more obvious. Our outlook on life, not one of fear of the unknown, but an un and an unwavering trust in Jesus Christ. Christ, the cornerstone of our faith, the cornerstone of our foundation. On Christ, the solid rock I stand, all else is but sinking sand. Without Christ as a cornerstone, any faith we have sits upon sinking sand. It cannot stand strong and unwavering. It shall sink and collapse, leaving us hopeless, faithless, and ruined spiritually. Christ is our only hope. To him we must cling and build our faith upon. As our faith grows, James tells us to pray for wisdom, if you lack it. I know I do. But also, let me stress, there is a distinction between wisdom and being smart. A person can be very smart but lack wisdom, as well as a very wise person can be a very ignorant person when it comes to matters of education. In my life, I have met very book-smart people who lack wisdom, wisdom of any kind, and I've met some, usually the old-timers, who were not afforded the luxury of a standardized education, who lived in a world of get smart or get hurt. These people, while not the most book-smart people, were some of the wisest I have ever met. If we ask for wisdom, we must ask of God through prayer, and James said, it shall be given. Remember, though, the distinction between smart and wise. You may not be able to do algebra or even remember all the words to the newspaper crossword puzzle, but wisdom will come. Some may call it street smarts. You will begin to see the world in a different light, reacting to situations in very different ways. Sometimes your reaction will seem odd to those around you, but your wisdom will shine through. My favorite recollection of wisdom from Scripture can be found in 1 Kings 3. At that time, Solomon was to make this decision. He used wisdom on a plane he would never expect. And this is 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 16 through 28. Then came two harlots unto the king and stood before him. And the one woman said, O my Lord, I and this woman dwell in one house, and I was delivered of a child with her in the house. And the third day after that I was delivered, this woman was delivered also, and we were in the house together. No stranger was with us in the house, save we twain. And this woman's son died in the night, for she overlay him. And she rose at midnight, and took my son from my side, while thine handmaiden slept, and laid him in her bosom, and laid her dead son in my bosom. And when I arose in the morning to give my son suck, behold, he was dead. And when I had well considered him in the morning, behold, it was not my son whom I had borne. Then the other woman said, Nay, but my son liveth, and thy son is dead. Again she said, No, but thy son is dead, and mine alive. Thus they spake before the king. Then said the king, She saith, This that liveth is my son, and the dead is thy son. And the other saith, Nay, but the dead is thy son, and the living is my son. Then the king said, Bring me a sword. And they brought out a sword before the king. And the king said, Divide ye the living child in twain, and give the one half to the one, and the other half to the other. Then spake the woman who the, the living child was unto the king, for her compassion was kindled toward her son. And she said, O my lord, 
Give her the living child and slay him not. But the other said, Let it be neither mine nor thine, but divide it. Then the king answered and said, Give her the living child and slay him not. This is his mother. And all Israel heard the judgment which the king had judged, and they feared the king, for they saw that the wisdom of God was in him to do justice. Great stuff. Smart people may have tried many things that could have possibly drugged the situation out a long time. Solomon used wisdom to bring a quick and abrupt end to the dispute. This is what wisdom will look like, thinking outside the modern-day box, thinking outside of a realm so many cling to, leaving our own thoughts and opening our eyes to a godly way of thinking, secular versus spiritual. James goes on to say that we are to ask for wisdom through faith, and then not waver. Ask and have faith that God will give you the wisdom because James said God will give you wisdom. Then believe it is so. Do not waver like the waves of the sea going to and fro between secular and spiritual. Stick hard to God. Grab tightly unto Christ. Do not waver. Be strong like a lighthouse built upon the stones of the sea's edge. Build upon a faith in Christ, full of God-given wisdom, standing strong as a secular world bombard you with its trials and tribulations. If you can't do this, you cannot cling to God's word, cling to Christ's cross. Do not expect to be given wisdom. You cannot be double-minded and expect anything from God. You look like the kid that shows up only when they want something. Don't study your Bible. Don't read it daily. Then show up with your hand out five years later demanding God give you wisdom. <laughs> what kind of thought process is this? Where on earth is this an acceptable idea, let alone when addressing a God that created the world that your secular life helps pervert? James said, if you think like this, you are double-souled, double-minded, and you are unstable. You cannot flip-flop between the world and God, between the secular and the spiritual, between heaven on earth and God's heaven. Your mind must be stable and focused fully and totally on God and His Son, Jesus Christ. On that day, every knee shall bow, and your complete and undivided attention will be on the Lamb of God. Waver not in this life, those of you who have ears to hear. Cling and hold fast to your redemption through the blood of Jesus Christ. We must not feel the cross of Christ weighs us down, that it's an unbearable weight to carry. If Christ could bear the weight of that cross up Calvary's hill and bear the weight of your sin upon it, you can bear its weight in this life as the Lord will help you with this burden. Don't think any amount of riches, any treasure or money will help you get an ounce more wisdom or faith. When the final bell tolls, we'll all be on equal footing. Those that clung to the cross and placed their faith in Jesus Christ shall be exalted. Those that have relied on earthly possessions and rejected the cross of Christ shall vanish away. James wrote that a man's riches are like the flowers of the field, beautiful and ornate in their day, but when the sun rises and the heat is intense, they wither away and perish. So does the soul of one without faith in Christ. All their hope has been placed in their riches and beauty. When you have solid faith in God and Christ, you are blessed, and this blessing of faith will not only help to gain wisdom when wisdom is prayed for, but help you through many trials. As trials are overcome, our relationship with God will grow, and we as people and as Christians will grow. Our growth 
will result in us gaining the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. The trials and tribulations of life can be very frustrating and hard to deal with. But know this, dear Christian, that these things, when dealt with through faith, makes our own faith grow. It is a growing faith that brings a strong patience and ability to wait upon God. It will take faith and patience together to allow wisdom to come and to mature. As our walk with Christ grows, we must not waver, but be strong in the Lord and His might until the very end. Always lean on Christ. Always lean on Christ, not on money or possessions. Lean on the cross. Spiritual and mental stability in these times in which we live will only be achieved by clinging to the cross of Christ and to Christ alone. Our goal in this life is to be Christ-like. He was our example. It seems a million times over we stumble and fall short of this goal. It is okay to stumble. Pick yourself up using the outstretched hands of Jesus. Dust yourself off. Begin the race again. Keep running the race. You'll stumble again. Pick yourself up. Dust yourself off and start running again. This shall be the pattern that builds your faith, your patience, your prayer life, your trust in Jesus Christ, your developing of wisdom. Be strong. Finish the race strong. Don't give up until the crown of life is placed upon your head. It will be God's presence in our lives that will drive us to cling to Christ in our trials. It will be our faith that escorts us through this world working out our salvation with fear and trembling until, as we look back on a life filled with faith, patience, prayer, and wisdom, growing in the knowledge of God and Jesus Christ, that we will take that final breath. Our heart shall beat its last beat, and we shall receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Amen. Father, I thank you for this word today. I thank you that we could all get together in the spirit and listen to this, that our little group that has started out with just a couple has grown. Now we have our own little messenger page that we can keep in touch with each other. Lord, um, I do want to tell them, Lord, that if there is prayer requests that they want to put before the group for their own lives, that they shall not be ashamed to put that on that board, to go ahead and message others and say, I need prayer. I need prayer for this. Please keep me in your prayers. Lord, I pray for all of the people that are in the group. I, I pray that you continue to have them grow that they continue to get closer to you. They continue to cling to your son, Jesus Christ, Lord. I ask that you allow these people to gain wisdom as they pray for it. And that this wisdom that you bring is a such a godly wisdom that people will stand back and notice that they are different from others. And it won't be so much the wisdom that they're different from, Lord, because it will be as they strive for wisdom that they get closer to you and closer to your Son, Jesus Christ. And that will be the difference, Lord, that we will stand out as Christians once again, that the world will look upon us and say, there's something different about you. What is it? And we can look them in the eyes and tell them, the thing that's different about me is that I am covered in the blood 
of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior, in whose name we pray. Amen. I wanted to tell everybody before I go that um, I used my 1599 Geneva Bible, and it does not matter what kind of Bible that you're reading or what kind of Bible you have, as long as you understand it and it is helping you grow in the knowledge of God and helping you on your walk with Christ and help you getting closer to Christ, then that's what you use. Don't let anybody try and say that, oh, well, you use this Bible or that Bible and that's not the right one and, and you're never going to be like me with that. If it's the one that you use, use it. If you're growing and you can understand it, use it. If you have a translation that you don't quite understand, that you're not growing with, then send me a message and we can discuss a whole bunch of different translations that are out there that can help you grow. Um, you know, during this time that we have away from everything and away from the cross, we need to be able to, to read. And that's the reading and the prayer we do in our everyday lives is where we're going to grow. You know, we're going to have to take a little bit of unction on ourselves to uh, continue to read and continue to grow. And I'm going to be sending these sermons. I want to try and get them every couple of weeks to a month. So they'll be coming in sporadically as time allows for writing and study. But I want everybody reading. I want everybody praying. I want everybody getting closer to Christ. And I really cannot wait until next spring when we all gather together again at the cross because it has been such a blessed time. Brenda and I absolutely love it. We adore having everybody there. The fires and the fellowship have been something. It's very humbling to see the Lord working in all of this. And it is absolutely great. And I, my, my heart is filled with joy for what's happening. And I can't wait to see you all again. So, go with Christ and be blessed, my brothers and my sisters. Amen.